stop me if you've heard this before, but ESPN, they, they came at Auburn again, or at least tried to. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. The everydayers know that Daryl Daprich is the man, the myth, the legend, Montgomery radio vet hanging out with us on this Friday. Daryl, when I woke up yesterday morning, Reading a feature on ESPN about Brian Harson and uh, the narrative trying to make us feel bad for this man that was gifted, I'm sorry, stole millions and millions of dollars from Auburn University. That was not on my bingo card. Mine neither. I was shocked that they were doing an article. I mean, I, I guess my point is the, irre- the irrelevancy of it, you know, months afterwards, ESPN didn't seem so interested in reaching out and finding out why Harson failed so miserably at Auburn, doing mm-hmm. an expose or an invest- investigative journalism, talking to Derek Mason, Mike Bobo, high school coaches, maybe some players. A lot of people would have given some honest answers to why the Harson tenure failed, and yet ESPN continues to be a mouthpiece for him. It's like they, they pump him up, and they you know it happened when he was in Mexico the article that came out when there was rumors that February, what was going on for whatever reason. And that's, what's so frustrating about that level of journalism is this guy was a total clown show. The last three months that he was at Auburn, he didn't recruit. He stayed in his office. He wouldn't talk to recruits. Why don't they talk to some of the recruits that he wouldn't even come out of his office to talk to on, on visits. You don't think those kids felt slighted. Talk to them. It's and ridiculous. Just, and, and talking to former players, like just the lack of interest and just the total divide between the players and him, it's wild. But ESPN, Chris Lowe yesterday put out a story, and I think the attempt was to paint Brian Harson as a victim, as this kind of, you know, Auburn's this big, bad wolf that just wants to pay coaches to go away and – you know, they've had now three head football coaches in four seasons, and, you know, they, they just don't know what to do. And Brian Harson, he got all this money. He's been through so, so much, but he's back home in Boise with his beautiful family. Right, That's what Chris Lowe wrote yesterday, which, like you said, they leave out everything. They leave out the fact that on recruiting trips, the, the position coaches and the recruiters would have to bring – the player to his office. And there would also be instances where there'd be several situations where the kid would want to meet with Harson. They'd be like, yeah, he's already gone home. Like, sorry, you don't get to talk to the head coach. You were not awarded that honor. It's just a ridiculous slant. And I think Chris Lowe, just when I read it, we're going to kind of delve into some of the deeper parts of this in a second, but just big picture with the story, this attempt of a hit piece by Chris Lowe is, it seems like he got halfway through of trying to like paint this picture about how Auburn's the bad guy. And like, it's kind of like he ran out of ammo. And so like this last half of the article is just, I'm just going to put a lot of quotes from Brian Harson in here. 
Very good point. And it's really interesting. It's like he wanted to go with a certain agenda, in my opinion, just like Mark Schlebach, Pat Forday, which, by the way, pronounce your name right like it's spelled. It's spelled Ford. You're not cool by saying Forday. You're Word. a joke. Got all it. these people that just go at Auburn for the sake of going at Auburn like it's cool or it's hip. Here's the thing. One of the most disingenuous parts of the article is when Brian Harson blames his recruiting struggles with starting behind the, quote, eight ball because of COVID. I get that. He couldn't go on visits, right? Sure. But the last two years, we weren't locked down. And he still didn't – I mean, there was no, you know, stay-at-home order or, you know, all the stuff that we were supposed to do when he was sitting in his office on his computer and kids couldn't get to him. Yeah. I mean, that's the part that just – there was no pushback. And it drives me crazy when there's only one thing presented and not all – that in itself is just a small microcosm of the problem. He blames COVID – but then doesn't go out and do anything when when COVID and the lockdowns and all those are lifted and he can go unlimited visits. Where's he at? Watching his son play high school football at Auburn, not visiting high school coaches, not bringing in. I mean, that what was it, the senior day or the junior day, that fiasco where there was hardly any kids that came? Who's to blame for that? Harson is. And because of his lack of you know, charisma and connecting with these kids and high school coaches. Again, ask Derek Mason, ask some of the players, ask some of the recruits' parents that he absolutely big-timed and, you know, just did not – just blew off when they came. Yeah. And that's frustrating is it, is it it gets painted a certain way and he failed on every level, period. Yeah, according to the story, he couldn't even get the Zoom call to work <laughs> in the interview, which – he had Charlie Five's internet connection, and the screen went blank. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> the only difference was he did not button his top button, but he apparently him and Charlie Five shared the same internet Wi-Fi connection, and it goes blank. And he goes out and talks to. I mean, it makes him look like such a joke. Goes out and talks to his wife and goes, "Well, I just kept talking. I don't know how it went because the screen went black, and I don't. You know, the fact that he said he didn't. And I get it. He didn't sell his house, but then he talks about how he sold his house in Auburn, didn't sell the house in Boise, sold his house in Auburn, and it came as is with all the furniture. Well, yeah, yeah there's a lot of baggage that came with that house too, too, pal. Nice, nice. But the the quick thing about, like, the interview, that, I mean, he wasn't mentioned really, but, like, that almost makes Alan Green look worse, right? Where it's like, well, oh, what? Yeah. You didn't yeah, set well, up a situation to, like, actually proper. And well, did you that was the second. What? That was the second interview. The first formal interview was in a freaking hot tub, apparently. So the Zoom interview was Which just Carson a formality. Doesn't remember, by the way. Yeah, of course he doesn't remember <laughs> because you know alcohol and, and high uh, temperatures and jacuzzi sometimes mix with the brain. Here's the thing: it's frustrating. I wanted to put this to bed. I didn't want to pile on and talk about Brian Harson because we're in a new era, right? Right. It, it I, is I, what it is. I'm glad but, you said that. But yes. this article forces you to have to talk about it because the unfair hit job on it and how one-sided it is. Because we wouldn't be talking about Brian Harson right now going into you know the summer. It is what it is. It's over with. It's a chapter that's closed. But when these articles come up and they paint him as a sympathetic figure and there's no accountability for him being the one that sank the ship, it's frustrating. I'm not going to lay all the blame. I mean, you know, from, from a st- the only thing that I would say – 
the end of 2021, when Knicks broke his ankle, Auburn was on an upward ascent, and they were playing well, and I think that changed the whole complexion of the season. But then he did some really brain-dead things after that in games, South Carolina and all the, in Alabama and that kind of thing. So yeah. there's just there's so much that he needs to look in the mirror about. Mm-hmm. And he won't. And then, you know, and again, I never, ever, ever condoned, and you were one of the first people to come out in discords and everything, and I commend you for that, when people got personal with this family, okay? That's that's a line you don't ever want to cross. We all right. have daughters, okay? And, and the stuff about his family and all that, taking it too personal in February. Sure. But there's enough there that you don't have to. No, you you can make it all about his professional work. Exactly. And, and it leaves a lot to be yeah. desired. But the way you know Lowe and ESPN frame it is he was cut off at the knees. And it's like, I don't think so. All right, there's a few things in this that, that I really, really want to highlight, Daryl. We will mm-hmm. do that in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. I have two pair of these shorts, and they are the most comfortable pair of shorts I own. I can work out in them. I could go to church with them. I could do anything in these pairs of shorts. Daryl, I know you were on their website earlier this week yes. and we're, we're interested. I'm sure some of the names of their shorts were pretty shocking. Oh, they were. I, I had to do a double take. I, I, I chuckled. It was a great uh, mid afternoon uh, break. But yeah, I, I love the fact I'm going to order a couple pair because I love that liner being in there already. Yeah. That's clutch. It really yeah, is. It is clutch. It is clutch. And so, I mean, I got a feeling you could jump in a pool with these things. And they dry off quickly because of the material. I mean, they've got all kinds of stuff going for them. So be sure to check them out. Uh, birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college, all one word, locked on college. They'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Birddogs.com slash locked on college. Daryl, you, you touched on this. And, and before we jump into any more, be sure to tune into the show tomorrow, Saturday. Daryl and I will be dropping a basketball special episode, kind of recapping the last few weeks. Auburn basketball. A lot of you guys have asked for that, so we will deliver on that. That'll be up Saturday morning, tomorrow morning, for most of you guys listen to this. But I'm with you, Daryl. Like, I don't want to bring up Brian Harson, but like you said, this article comes at Auburn in a way. And so I, I you know, I think we need to to address it. So um I think the most shocking part of this to me was when he's referring to his time with uh, Coach Peterson when he was at Boise. Right. And he says, this is a quote from Harson in the story. I used to tell Pete, wouldn't it be awesome if coaches could take a year like a sabbatical and go out there and see other things and get a different perspective on stuff? Peterson's response was always the same. Yeah, that's called getting fired. And to me, this is one of the many tone-deaf things that he has said. Because, like, who in the real world can just take a year off? Like, that's just not how it works, brother. And this is like a dude that's doing an interview that's been that's received millions and millions and millions of dollars for doing a terrible job. So bad where they were like, okay, it's worth paying you millions and millions and millions of dollars for you to just go away. I mean, the tone, like, just absolutely tone deaf and unaware of how real life works. You want to pull back the curtain and get an introspective look at why Brian Harson is who he is and why he failed at Auburn? That paragraph puts it in a nutshell. He is more concerned in focusing on taking time off than putting in the work that it takes to do what you need to do to have a championship program. 
And I mean, you know, you don't have to look any further than the madman, workaholic man, you freeze what he did, who has balance in his life, but, you know, got after it, saw what he had to do and, and just was a madman to complete the task. Parsons more concerned about, you know, philosophical retrospective, taking a year off, talking to different coaches and getting their feedback, then rolling up your freaking sleeves for somebody that works on drag racers and cars. He sure doesn't want to roll up his sleeves and get after it. It's just such a, a, a contradiction with him. He wants the toys, but he, and he wants the benefits and he wants the glory, but all the stuff that was really, I guess what I perceive him to look like beneath him and let this assistant do it or let this assist. Oh, let's talk ball. Let's just talk ball. There, there's just always an excuse and no, no accountability and looking at, at that one snapshot and saying, wouldn't it be nice to take a year off? Well, yeah, it'd be nice for all of us to take a year off. It doesn't work that way in the real world when you're trying. You think Saban and Kirby Smart are taking a year off? I mean, th th that's that's him right yeah, there. The, the, that, I mean, that, that, that level of coach, and I think you need that mindset to deserve a job in the SEC, at least a top half job in the SEC, which Auburn is. Those are the guys that win a championship. And then they're working on the recruiting class the next morning. Like that's just yes, that's yes. just who they are. It's how they're wired, borderline psychopathic, right? I mean, they just they just go after it. They're obsessed. I think it's what Auburn got in Hugh Freeze, which is which is good. Uh, another part of the story that I love. It's the second to last paragraph. Harson isn't in the business of giving advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can spend some time on just that if we wanted to, but he's more convinced than ever that complete alignment from the president to the board of trustees to the athletic director is critical to win consistently in the SEC, especially when you're playing Alabama and Georgia every year. And it's like, well, duh. Like, I mean, I agree with that, and everybody else does. I mean, we've been saying that Auburn fans have been saying that for years about getting everybody on the same page and not pulling against each other and not like, using then, your own then why agendas. Why did he try to do that? Well, because he, he, that would have taken effort. That would have taken gracious. effort, and that would have taken him to come back from Mexico to do that. So that's the problem: is that those kind of things. Look, I get it. Sometimes you go in with one hand behind your back because there is this tug of war in this pool with, you know, everybody wanting their own thing, their own wishes, you know, granted and their own agendas. But at the end of the day, if you have a strong enough personality and enough vision and you're outworking everybody, you can pull people together. Right. Bruce Pearl did it. Uh, I mean, Butch Thompson yeah. did it. So, right. I mean, you try to tell me that a football coach, Tommy Tuberville to a certain extent did it after that whole jet gate thing. He said, that's it. We're going to do it my way, and everyone's going to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. And he still did it. He didn't complain and cry like a little baby about it. I mean, nobody got undermined more than Tommy Tuberville when your boss is on a plane trying to fire you and hire somebody else. And what did he do? He sucked it up like a man and went undefeated the next year and didn't cry and complain. Right. Right. Uh, and then the part about Harson isn't in the business of giving advice. <laughs> like... Well, that, to his quarterbacks, apparently, he never did. That's for sure. I mean, this is a dude that, like, it kind of seems like he wants to be a motivational speaker. Like, you know, the whole, like, podcast thing. And then uh, if you look at his Twitter, it's all quotes. And some of them are from him himself, like, talking about, like, seizing the day and things like that. It's like, no, it's I don't think, I don't think so. It's smoke and mirrors and no substance. That's what it is, Zach. It's, it's saying the right things and presenting the right image 
with you know, and all that, and quote quoting things that that look in, on the surface to be great, but when you peel back the onion and you look at the surface and you get down to earth with it, it there's no substance there. Yeah. Uh, and then the last quote of the article, but we don't want to, this is Harson, but we don't want to make that our problem any longer. That's Auburn's problem. We've moved on and being home has never felt better. Well, so, it, yeah. somebody on Twitter said that, and I, and I wish I remember who it was. It said, um, I'm happy for Harson, and I'm even happier that he's gone. Yeah. I mean, look, the real test will come. There's been a couple things he's done since he's been fired where he's thrown a little shade on Twitter, you know, done some things. And he did that as a ch- – like, remember, he did that as the coach when he would subtweet players and do things that were just beneath a head football coach, okay? And he did it, it, it to Bo Nix. I don't care what anybody says. Let's be honest and let's be real. He did some things to subtweet Bo Nix. And I don't then remember he gets this. Us, yeah, oh, yeah. He did some things about – Do you remember what he said? It was right after Nix left, and it was certain things about commitment and those kind of – and everybody, it was very obvious. And our listeners wow. in the comments and YouTube and all, will remember what I'm talking about. We're like, okay. he's just being obviously subtweeting Bo, Bo Nix. Well, he does that, and then he and then his son takes a trip at, to, to Oregon, which is very interesting to me, and he takes a picture with Nix. Lowe puts that in the article – but why don't you go talk to Pat Nix about why Bo Nix left? Yeah, it's weird that he left to get away we, from him. Why don't yeah. we do that? Why don't we do a little follow-up question, Chris Lowe? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's the thing. And Bo Nix was the bigger person and took the picture and smiled and did all that kind of stuff, and I, I commend him for that. But, look, that's the thing. Things get swept under the rug and get forgotten and don't get addressed, and it drives me crazy when it's a false narrative. And that's yeah. what this Lowe article is. It's been, it's been pretty telling that all the folks on the beat – that the folks that I really, really respect that cover the program better than anybody and know way more than they could ever write or report about. Um, the fact that, that you know their response to all this as well is just it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. But Daryl, this article has given me it's reminded me of a perspective that I think we need to have. And I want okay. to share that in just a moment, right here on Locked On Auburn. I want to encourage you to, to join the Locked Auburn Discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. And days like yesterday where articles like this come out, it's really fun to just kind of go through it together. So be sure to join that if you want to join. We're getting close to 2,000 Auburn fans in there, which is pretty stinking cool. I think I'd forgotten how bad some of this was, the Brian Harson era, because thankfully it was short. But while we were in it, it was just like, when is this going to end? But we talk about starting behind the eight ball. And getting, you know, cut off at the knees and all that. And like Hugh Freeze's situation that he took over was way worse than Brian Harson's, significantly worse than Brian Harson's. And you talk about a dude who's going to roll up his sleeves and work. What does Hugh Freeze do when he acquires one of the worst rosters in the SEC? He flips it. He flips it. I don't think the dude has slept for more than two hours a night since he's been Auburn's head coach. But what he's done is absolutely, it's absolutely incredible. And so I, I just think it's important to kind of have the perspective once again as we look back, because we've just kind of covered it day by day as we've slowly added these 20-plus players that are going to be new guys on this 2023 roster. But now that we're at the end of it, looking back and just thinking like, wow, like the last six months, like you talk about flipping the roster, we've really flipped the program. 
Man, that's another good point because there were two things that Harson had at his disposal that Hugh Freeze, you know, did not. Well, one thing Freeze didn't have, one thing he did. First of all, Brian Harson inherited a much better roster. Yes. Think about the defense that he, you know, I mean, with with Wooden and and Hall and those guys and the linebackers and the secondary, and then he had Bo Nix. He had Tank Bigsby. So he he definitely had a better roster than he inherited. And then he also did have the transfer portal at his disposal his first year. I believe that's when the transfer portal came into effect, 2021. He didn't utilize it as much as he should have. I mean, he got Demetrius Robertson and Echo Leota and some of those guys. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, he didn't do what he should have done and go out and address similar weaknesses to bolster the roster that was already good, not great, coming back. If he could have given Bo Nick some offensive linemen, remember, that's the area that was brutal, yeah. and Harson chose not to address it, and Nix was running for his life. Maybe he doesn't get his ankle broke if he has someone to block for him. Same thing with receivers. He really didn't have anybody to catch the ball downfield uh, for him. Demetrius Robertson was okay, um, and Hudson you know, was decent. But other than that, it just wasn't, it wasn't there. Well, Hugh Freeze, Kobe Hudson was a natural wide receiver. Though. He was a natural wide receiver, and um, – he just didn't get the ball enough, and they right. ran a reverse, and he dropped it. But right. the bottom line is, dang, I Hugh forgot Freeze, about that too. That yeah, was rough. You freeze State, didn't. Yep. That was you freeze did. I not, suppressed that. Why did you? I'm legitimately well, and, mad right now. And then the, the 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 fade pattern in the end zone on third and one, where you got Tank Bigsby in the backfield twice. Remember that was beautiful. Um, but yeah, it's everybody else's fault. Chris Lowe, thanks. But he didn't – you Freeze didn't get the roster. If you Freeze would have inherited the roster that Harson did in 2021 yes. and then built around that roster like he does with the portal, Auburn would have competed for a West championship mm-hmm. in 2021 yeah. with Bo Nix healthy and that offense. And Hugh Freeze would have got some dogs at receiver. You know he would have. And he'd have got some guys up front. Well, the pitch would have been easy, right? Like, Bo yeah. Nix is good. Like, exactly. You know, come, this is what he needs. Good. Exactly. With that defense, too. He'd be, I mean, that would that Alabama game would have been completely different. It's just right. a lot to look forward to in glad clown shows in the rearview mirror, but still it's frustrating. Maybe you run the ball in the fourth quarter in the Iron Bowl. Like that would have been nice. You freeze would have done whatever it te- took mm-hmm. to get that dub. And if that meant putting somebody in that could run on fourth and one, even if you know, if it wasn't tank big, first of all, he wouldn't have given him the ball five yards in the backfield and a slow developing play handoff so you know there's just a lot of different things you can look at but again it's everybody else's fault right I mean I mean again remember what he did in the coaches meetings or some of the things that came out after the fact with Derek Mason and Mike Bobo and you know going in there and I mean it's just all that's at Lowe's disposal if he would have chose if you're going to do an article a follow-up then do the article yeah he you know who he should have talked to was Austin Davis oh yeah well, it was the I offensive want, coordinator for two weeks, and then he's I'm like, nah, I no, can't do this. No, I mean, he saw what he saw and said, can't do it. I mean, and then everybody else that got on his staff was just, the, you know, as we called them, the potato gang, just people that, that he felt comfortable with. I mean, he couldn't he, get an OC to, like, take the job. He no. was like, okay, I guess I'll get this. Uh, I guess I'll get Eric Kiesau to mm-hmm. just promote him. And then Schmetting, you know, your defensive coordinator, so – I actually, I actually think Schmetting was the best of the potato posse. Do you? I, I want to remove him from the rest of them. Yeah, I, I thought Schmetting was fine. Who's the uh, fine. Who's the offensive line coach that took over as offensive coordinator? Will well, Friend? Ke- 
Uh oh yeah yeah well Fred yeah. I, I like he was in his bag the last three games of the season and called some good games for what he mm-hmm. had to work with he really did I I went back and looked at some of the things he did against Texas A&M even though they didn't score a lot of points and yeah Western Kentucky and even Alabama um he he did he got everything every that's ounce he could out of an anemic offense at that point yeah that's a good point and just a broken team and then, oh yeah you know yeah. he and Caddy kind of put that together yeah. which was awesome Daryl. How can people check out everything you've got going on, including what we're going to be talking about tomorrow on the show? Yeah, can't wait. Uh, DAP6410 on Twitter. And then we're going to do a little basketball show uh, that'll come out tomorrow that we're going to talk about the offseason roster. It's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. There's a lot of people that have been asking for it. Yep. Uh, And then on Tuesdays, I'm on the Max Roundtable doing a little 15-minute segment. Daryl Dapridge, always giving the people what they want. Yeah, be sure to tune in to our show tomorrow. In the meantime, you can find all my written work at auburndaily.com. And we'll see you tomorrow for a special Saturday morning show right here on Locked On Auburn. <laughs>